Brendan O'Connor on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Timber Living Log Cabins. For your perfect workspace, living space or hideaway, timberliving.ie. Brendan O'Connor on RTE Radio 1. Okay, we'll keep moving. A bit of food now. And obviously the main event at the Christmas dinner will be the the turkey. And don't listen to me and Mark Patrick Hederman about turkey. It's lovely, I know. Uh, But I think for a lot of people, the trimmings are as important as particularly the roast potatoes, also the the gravy. So Rory O'Connell, chef and co-founder of Ballymaloo Cookery School, is on the line to give us a masterclass in how to get those vital bits right on the day. Welcome, Rory. Hi, Brendan. Lovely to talk to you. Lovely to talk to you always. What are we looking for in the perfect roast potato? Well, you need to start off with a good potato, an Irish potato, uh, of course. Um, what variety like would you go for? A golden wonder or a cursed pink, I'd say. And what I would strongly advise, and it's up to people to make their own mind about these things, but if you buy the spots, if you can get them, with some of the earth still on them, and then you're going to have to scrub them and peel them, it makes a phenomenal difference, as distinct from buying the spuds that have already been pre-washed which are more convenient but the flavour the texture isn't nearly as good really the dirt holds it in yeah it seems to hold in flavour texture they also keep for much longer so even that you know you won't waste them you know because they just keep for weeks in a cold place okay it's amazing the difference really amazing and talk me through the process then so to get the perfect roast potato well peel the spuds ideally as close to the time as you're going to cook them but i know some people like to get organized them and peel them the night before, and that's grand. Just cover them completely in cold water, keep them somewhere cold. But they're definitely better peeled closer to the time of cooking. Then, Brendan, put them, take them out of the water they were soaking in and put them into fresh cold water in a saucepan with a good pinch of salt and bring them to the boil. That's the peeled potatoes. Yeah. And then some of them maybe just for about a minute, no longer. Oh, then is that all you par- You only parboil very briefly, yeah? Oh, very briefly, yes, very briefly. Then pour off all that water and then very importantly, either either allow them to get dry by just spreading them out and they'll eventually dry off or else just pop them out onto a dry tea towel. That's really important that you dry them and then enter the fat. And the fat can be duck fat, goose fat, you know, beef fat, pork fat or olive oil, for example. I have one friend who um, who insists on cooking uh, roast potatoes and coconut oil, which I have to say is not to my taste. But anyway, there oh. you go. And you need and you need plenty of the lovely fat and heat the fat. So what I normally do is I have my roasting tray in the oven and I put the fat into the roasting tray so it's melted and it's getting lovely and hot and, uh, and in the oven. And then put the dried potatoes in and just turn them around in the dried fat. And that's it. Close the oven door, walk away and wait for them to get lovely roasted and crispy. And do, if you can bear it, turn them two or three times during the cooking. And how long uh, and how hot is the oven and cooking? Well, you can start, usually I'd start them off in an oven is about 230 degrees or 220, a good hot oven. And give them about 20 minutes and then turn them down for about another 20 minutes at 200. That sort of thing. But you know what, Brendan, people's ovens varies, vary and they'll know themselves what works. But you definitely need a good blast of heat to start to build up that really delicious crust that we all love on a roast spot. And listen, you know, people will talk, I think uh, Nigella talks about polenta on the outside to get it crusty. So it's, sometimes I find if you bring them out in the cold and just shake them for a second in the cold when they're parboiled that you'll get rough edges on them then. Any, yeah. Anything there? Exactly. And you know what? I know I said I only, I only parboil them for a minute. If you want them to be a bit more textured looking on the outside, cook them for another few minutes in the boiling okay. water and you definitely because they get fluffy and then that fluffiness as you just mentioned there will right that'll become extra kind of little 
textured crispy bits around the outside. But um, I think, you know, in a country where we, the spuds are so good in Ireland, that honestly adding plenty to the situation as far as I'm concerned yeah. is almost superfluous. Thank you very much. You're so right. And do plenty is your key message on roast potatoes. Oh, definitely. Yeah, no one's going to thank you for if you don't have enough roast potatoes. That's one sure thing. And if you have roast potatoes, actually on my a TV show I was on last week, one of the Christmas shows, I, I did a um I did a, a, a twice cooked roast potatoes. So the next day, you know, heat some yeah. olive oil in the pan, put in yesterday's roast potatoes and let them brown and get loving crispy and you can crush them a bit. And then I add a bit of garlic, a chopped um, a chili flakes for a bit of heat to that and then pop them into the oven and roast you know re-roasting them really and then lots of coriander if you have it or parsley sprinkle it over it I mean they are a feast that sounds Delicious. pretty good pretty good okay yeah. um, and the great thing about the roast potato of course is you cook it in fat and then you take it out and put it on the plate and you and you cover it in butter again so it, there's multiple multiple fats going on there which I, um, I always do like um, absolutely well good fats are good for you Yes, exactly. Um, Now, gravy, uh, I think a lot of people find gravy challenging. I think there's a generation out there who were never properly taught how to make gravy. So what are the basics we need to know here? Well, Brendan, there's a generation out there who were never taught how to uh, cook properly. And that's not their fault. It's just the way, you know, the way our world has progressed. And now the necessity for everybody to be out of the house working, you know, making the income to keep the house going. So there is a generation who's forgotten how to cook. And if I had one New Year wish, I'd love to see a bit more cooking being done in schools. Anyway, sorry, that's off the point that you asked me. The gravy, there's two key words to remember with the gravy. And this sounds a bit technical, but honestly, Brendan, it isn't. So you, t- you you cook the birds, make sure it's cooked, take it out, put it onto a serving dish. I usually then would cover the cooked bird with maybe a sheet of greaseproof paper and then something like a towel, an old towel or some kitchen, um, nice uh, clean kitchen towels just to keep it hot. Particularly in the case of a turkey, it'll hold the heat. Right. Then in the roasting tray, you have the juices. So pour those juices into something like a heat-proof glass jug and let the fat come to the top, which it will do in a couple of minutes. Um, that's the fat off the turkey and then you spoon off that fat and keep it don't throw that out under any circumstances let it get cold put it into a jam jar put a little a lid on it and cover it and keep that in the fridge where it'll keep for months and you can use that you know next week or in, in January to roast your parsnips or something so that's the fat gone so the first part of the two words is degrease and you've now degreased okay. it. Okay. Then you pour the degreased or the juices without the fat back into the roasting tray. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then you put that back on the heat and you scrape it or whisk it just to dissolve any little bits of caramelized juice that are on the bottom of the tray. And then see a pinch of salt and pepper. And essentially that is gravy. Now, if you taste at that point, it might be a little bit weak, in which case I usually just strain it into a saucepan because I find a saucepan is much easier to deal with than a roasting tray. And you can, you know, wash the roasting tray and get it out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. But, but you essentially have a simple gravy there. Now, gravy is very personal in people's houses. Some people like a thick gravy and some people like a thin gravy. So if the flavor isn't great at that point, and you might have added, by the way, a bit of chicken stock to that as well, if you want to, or a bit, if you're lucky enough to get the giblets, as they're called, which are turkey, which is the, uh, consists of the gizzard and the heart and the neck, 
not the liver. Um, and you could have made a little bit of stock out of those. I don't just scare people. No, no. Listen, let's, the reality of where most people are at now is they'd be thinking, should I not add in a bit of bistro then to help the gravy along? Well, I'm not, I wouldn't be mad enough for the bistro myself, but it'll definitely add a bit of chicken stock to it. Okay. Then bring it up to a boil, season it with salt and pepper and taste it. And if it's underwhelming, just keep boiling it for a bit longer. And then the flavour will concentrate as it reduces. And, and will it thicken bo- enough by boiling it down or do we need to no, add something? Well, well, for some people it will be thick, but essentially it'll be, that'll be sort of a thinnish gravy. If you want to thicken it, the best way to thicken it, with, with, it, thicken it is with a little mixture called roux. Again, don't be put off by the name. It's really simple. It's equal quantities. You melt a couple of ounces of butter in a saucepan and you add an equal quantity of flour and you cook that for about three minutes and it's a strange looking, benign looking mixture. And then if you want to thicken your gravy, you just whisk a little of that roux into the bubbling gravy and you can, the more you put in, the thicker your gravy like becomes. Magic. Okay. Like magic. And it is uh, it, it's by far the best way to thicken gravy if you want to, you know, like that. It's much better than corn flour. Much okay. better than corn flour. Okay, and so it's, much better, it's much better, Brendan, than putting flour into the roasting tray because you can hardly ever get, you can hardly ever get rid of the raw taste of the flour, you know? Yeah, yes, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. Listen briefly before you go. Uh, Brussels sprouts, quite divisive. Yeah. I love them, but I think often divisive because they're often badly cooked, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. So take, take off the outer leaves, cut them in half straight down through the middle, not horizontally, but vertically, half the Brussels sprouts. And that has a significant difference to how they cook and the length of time they take to cook. Then um, a saucepan of water, plenty of water, bring it to the boil, add in a good pinch of salt, add in the water into the boiling Brussels sprouts, and then no lid on the saucepan. That's really important. Don't put a lid back on the saucepan. Okay. And just cook them until they're just is that, tender. Is that if we put the lid in the saucepan, that's when the kind of fartiness, if you will, will get, goes exactly. back into and them kind of, yeah. The color and that really okay. takes them from being something fresh, tasting and delicious into something that tastes like old stewed shoes or something like that. Not good. Okay. And then a little bit of butter or something, or if you're olive oil, you can introduce all sorts of flavors. You can have crispy bacon, you can have almonds, you can have chestnuts. But I think the thing at Christmas is, apart from your lists and a rota for people to help you in the kitchen, um, you know, don't try to overcomplicate it. Uh, do, do uh, buy good quality ingredients, cook them in a fairly sort of pure way. Yeah. And you should get really delicious results from that. Yeah. Yeah. Plenty butter with everything basically. is. With, yeah. Lots of lovely butter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Listen, yeah. Uh, you, you have a top tip for people uh, to do, to get out of the way just before Christmas. Well, you know, Christmas can be an emotional time for people, irregardless of what sort of a year you've had. And honest to God, the things that have happened in the world this year are just, you know, you know everyone's hair is sort of slightly standing on end. And then in you know, some situations, if you lost a family member or there's health issues, and if people are feeling emotional coming up to Christmas, they're definitely going to be emotional on Christmas Day. So I would say find a quiet corner today on your own, go out into the garden, whatever, sit down and have a good cry on your own, out of sight. Let your shoulders shudder and let it let let that sort of emotion out. And it's you're crying for the people you love and you're crying for the people who aren't as lucky as we are in this wonderful little country we live in and and all of the trauma that's going on and then maybe when you're all sitting around the table on a Christmas day that's kind of you've let it out some of it out and it might make some of the emotions that can arise on Christmas day just not quite so heightened 
I don't Rory O'Connell. I'm sort of a lifestyle guru, but that's just a thought. Anyway. Not just a cooking teacher. Thank you so much, Rory, and happy Christmas, and talk to you Thank in you. the new year. Happy Christmas to you and all your team, and, and God bless. And that's it for uh, for today. And you can listen back to all the conversations from today's show on the RTE Radio app. Today's show was produced by our series producer, Tessa Delahanty. Research was by Andrew Fleming. Sean Marham was the broadcast coordinator and Liam Mullen was on sound. And that is indeed it for me uh, for, for this year. So uh, thank you for listening and happy Christmas and all that. And I'll talk to you in the new year.